Look, what did they teach you in business school anyway? He asked. I didn't know how to respond. Look, he said, it's an old game. I've seen it in Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. Now here. Seismology reports, combined with one good oil well, a gusher like the one we just hit. He smiled. Boomtown. Anne mentioned all the excitement around how oil would bring prosperity to Ecuadorians. Only those smart enough to play the game, he said. I'd grown up in a New Hampshire town named after a man who'd built a mansion on a hill, overlooking everyone else, using the fortune he'd amassed by selling shovels and blankets to the California gold miners in 1849. The merchants, I said. The businessmen and bankers. You bet. And today, the big corporations. He tilted back in his chair. We own this country. We get a lot more than permission to land planes without customs formalities. Like what? Oh my God, you do have a lot to learn, don't you? He raised his martini toward the city. To begin with, we control the military. We pay their salaries and buy them their equipment. They protect us from the Indians who don't want oil rigs on their lands. In Latin America, he who controls the army controls the president and the courts. We get to write the laws set fines for oil spills, labor rates, all the laws that matter to us. Texaco pays for all that? Anne asked. Well, not exactly. He reached across the table and patted her arm. You do, or your daddy does, the American taxpayer. The money flows through USAID, the World Bank, CIA, and the Pentagon, but everyone here, he swept his arm toward the window and the city below, knows it's all about Texaco. Remember, countries like this have long histories of coups. If you take a good look, you'll see that most of them happen when the leaders of the country don't play our game. Are you saying Texaco overthrows governments? I asked. He laughed. Let's just say that governments that don't cooperate are seen as Soviet puppets. They threaten American interests and democracy. The CIA doesn't like that. That night was the beginning of my education in what I've come to think of as the EHM system. Anne and I spent the next months stationed in the Amazon rainforest. Then we were transferred to the high Andes, where I was assigned to help a group of campesino brickmakers. Anne trained handicapped people for jobs and local businesses. I was told that the brickmakers needed to improve the efficiency of the archaic ovens in which their bricks were baked. However, one after another they came to me complaining about the men who owned the trucks and the warehouses down in the city. Ecuador was a country with little social mobility. A few wealthy families, the Ricos, ran just about everything, including local businesses and politics. Their agents bought the bricks from the brickmakers at extremely low prices and sold them at roughly ten times that amount. One brickmaker went to the city mayor and complained. Several days later, he was struck by a truck and killed. Terror swept the community. People assured me that he'd been murdered. My suspicions that it was true were reinforced when the police chief announced that the dead man was part of a Cuban plot to turn Ecuador communist. Che Guevara had been executed by a CIA operation in Bolivia less than three years earlier. He insinuated that any brickmaker who caused trouble would be arrested as an insurgent. The brickmakers begged me to go to the Ricos and set things right. They were willing to do anything to appease those they feared, including convincing themselves that if they gave in, 
the Ricos would protect them. I didn't know what to do. I had no leverage with the mayor, and figured that the intervention of a 25-year-old foreigner would only make matters worse. I merely listened and sympathized. Eventually, I realized that the Ricos were part of a strategy, a system that had subjugated Andean peoples through fear since the Spanish conquest. I saw that by commiserating, I was enabling the community to do nothing. They needed to learn to face their fears. They needed to admit to the anger they had suppressed. They needed to take offense at the injustices they had suffered. They needed to stop looking to me to set things right. They needed to stand up to the Ricos. Late one afternoon, I spoke to the community. I told them that they had to take action. They had to do whatever it would take, including taking the risk of being killed, so that their children could prosper and live in peace.